Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No risk it, no biscuit. Coming from the Arizona desert, presented by SBNation.com. For Arizona Cardinals fans, by Arizona Cardinals fans, with outsider and insider's perspective. This is Revenge of the Birds. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans. This is your host for Revenge of the Birds Radio. I'm Jess Root, and we've got Seth Cox on the line, who will be joining us shortly. And welcome to another another episode of our all-Cardinals show for Revenge of the Birds Radio. Only all is not well in Cardinals land this, this time, as the Cardinals somehow managed to lose... Um, a very winnable game on the road, falling 25-13 to to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and naturally, that's what Seth and I are going to talk about tonight. It's recording on a Tuesday night, as is, is normally the case. And you're like likely listening to this on a Wednesday or on a Thursday. Uh, so it's still a little bit fresh in our minds. 25-13 to loss by the, by the Cardinals to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were not only without Ben Roethlisberger for the game, they lost their left tackle during the game. They lost. They already were without Marquise Pounce's starting center. But Michael Vick left the game with an injury, and it was third-string quarterback Landry Jones who came into the game. And in the second half, only threw two touchdown passes. And, you know, after the Cardinals had a 7-0 lead and a 10-3 uh, halftime lead, things sort of stopped being any good. A game in which uh, we'll talk about mirrored a lot of the way the Cardinals played and the Cardinals lost to the Rams at home. The Cardinals now sit at 4-2, and two, still in first place in the NFC West. Not the end of the world. Uh, there was another surprise in the NFC West as both well, the San Francisco 49ers managed to pull out a win. And likewise, the, San, the Seattle Seahawks lost at home. So they lost two games in a row. Uh, once at home, falling to the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton, who is having himself a fantastic season to start off 2015. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the Cardinals, uh, a team that, I guess the theme is, nobody beats the Cardinals but themselves, I guess we should get on. But we've got all Cardinals show Seth Cox coming on the line. First of all, Seth wants to tell us, Seth has wants to talk about lead the show with this. 
why football is dumb. So, Seth, why is football so dumb? The Cardinals lost to the Steelers with their third-string quarterback, backup left tackle, and backup center playing. Football's stupid. I, I understand. <laughs> and we were talking about this off the air, but I, you know, I have seen the comments from Steelers fans. They saw Landry Jones in the same light as Cardinals fans saw Ryan Lindley. And Cardinals fans, you know how what you think about Ryan Lindley. As great a guy as he is as a quarterback, he was one of the historically worst quarterbacks we've ever seen. And that's the type of guy that the Pittsburgh Steelers fans were talking about their guy. And what did he do? Eh, he only threw two touchdown passes. I mean, the first touchdown pass, that was a, that was a very, very, very good throw. And then it was like the Cardinals stopped knowing how to play defense, sort of, letting Landry Jones pick them apart, and suddenly Martavis Bryant is is Antonio Brown or something, and yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and it's just, it was an unfortunate, and we'll get into this, it's an unfortunate thing, and I am, um, we, we talked about it in the St. Louis um, loss, and, and I'm just very unopposed um, to the notion that a team beats themselves. So, I mean, as we get into that, you know, we can talk about it a little more. But I, I, I just, I hate that. I hate that sentiment because one, it discounts everything that the team did, the other team did to beat you. But two, um, do good teams really beat themselves that much? Like that, that's two times in six games. That, that that's. That are, you know, well, let's 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 start about that. So we take away from the loss. Um, I'm going to say it again. It's what Bruce Arian said. It's what Steve Kime said that the steel that the Cardinals didn't lose to the Steelers. The Cardinals lost to the Cardinals. And there's now, mind you, there's some evidence for that. Carson Palmer can't find can't hit a wide open John Brown in the end zone. <laughs> Nah, never mind. If you if we go back a few years, that's the same type of throw that got John Skelton benched when he when he missed a wide open receiver in the end zone. Uh, the just three just completely boneheaded penalties that the Cardinals received in the first half: Bobby Massing with unnecessary roughness, just you know jumping on a guy on the ground on the ground. Chris Johnson can call for a chop block, even though I, I blame Jonathan Cooper for that because. Chris Johnson was already low when Cooper decided to engage with the with the free rusher. Then Kevin Minter, you know, getting flagged for whacking a guy on the helmet after a play was over. Just really, really under. And the second guy always gets caught in that situation. I know Cardinals fans are mad about you know all oh, that you know he he was just retaliating. The second guy always always. Gets always. On it's, top of that, you've got yeah. You've got the 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 late interception. This the unacceptable that you know. A, Burns and Gambo talked about it the other day and, and on Monday, and, and I, it really hits the nose on the head. He said that's the Cincinnati Bengals, Carson Palmer. But I say the Cardinals beat the Cardinals because you know they made mistakes. There weren't necessarily, especially on the offensive end. Defensively, they they did screw up. They were unable to defend Landry Jones and Martavis Bryant. They just didn't seem to know what was going on because there wasn't any tape on either of those guys uh, recently. I like to say the Cardinals lost 
to themselves. But maybe that's just trying to make me feel better. And, and perhaps on, on some level, that's the message that, that the coaching staff wants to put out in the media for the players' sake. Because if they start believing that it's not that you know they're beating themselves, if they're beating the if they're beating themselves and they're losing games because of it, that's something that in the locker room you're like, well, yeah, they didn't beat us. And maybe that's something they just don't want their players to start believing. They don't want them believing that they could lose to these other teams, that the only way they're going to lose is to lose to beat themselves. Um, at the same time, I, I see that as encouraging and discouraging. I wrote a, wrote a piece about it up on Tuesday. Uh, these The way the Cardinals are playing is both encouraging and discouraging because really what we haven't seen a team do is simply go out and just beat the Cardinals. Uh, yes, the Rams played as perfect. I, I pointed this out in the last time when we talked about this, that the Rams played a perfect game plan and they executed it perfectly. But they didn't really, I mean, a, that didn't beat the Cardinals. It was the mistakes that they got the Cardinals to commit. And maybe that was kind of the same that they did that. The Steelers kind of the same way. They looked awful in the first half. The complete, Cardinals completely dominated that first half, and then I, I, and I was telling you before the show, I still don't exactly know how exactly they lost. But it's encouraging because, hey, if they're beating themselves, that's easy to fix. It's discouraging because why the heck are they beating themselves? Are they a good team? Which is what you were asking. Is if it Do good teams really beat themselves? Well, and that's where I'm kind of at. Like, when, you, when you look at, like, good teams definitely have bad games. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, and, and so that's why I'm okay with this thought that the Cardinals just played bad. Like, they just, I mean, they couldn't, like you said, Carson Palmer missed some throws. Then he started to press and really, you know, force the ball. Um, the offensive line, again, just struggled. I mean, we, we've talked about it before. Um, it, since the, the return of Massey and, and, and Yapati, um, this offensive line hasn't really looked that good. And and so, you know, you, you look at it and you say, all right, I think they just played bad. But this whole, like, we beat ourselves, I think what it what that says to me is that you're, you're making unforced errors. And I feel like if you're making unforced errors, then that's what bad teams do, at, at least to me. Like, Bad teams go out there and, you know, miss open receivers and, you know, run routes wrong and commit stupid penalties. Like, that's what bad teams do. Good disciplined teams, like, you look around the league, look how bad, and, and I talked to my friend about this, look how bad the Denver Broncos offense has been this year. I mean, they basically, the Cardinals basically played like the Denver Broncos have been all season in that game against Pittsburgh. And they're undefeated. And, and they're 6-0. Like, they found a way to overcome. And and something that, you know, you and I have talked about a couple times and that I, you know, I've preached on a little bit was I don't know how this team handles adversity yet. And the first two games where they've had some actual adversity were things, you know, haven't clicked exactly, you know, gone the script that everybody was expecting, um, they failed. And, and, you know, not in the failure type of way, like, oh, the season's over, just cancel it. But in the failure type of way of, like, where, you know, what is this team in general? Are they, 
are they a Super Bowl favorite? Are they a Super Bowl contender? Or are they just a playoff fodder team? Like, is that, like, I, I don't think we're at that point at all, but I don't think that they're Super Bowl favorites. I think, and I said this last week, I think this was the game that kind of separated that um, before we even played it. Like, if they, if they handled the business, if they went into Pittsburgh with them down, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and then Kelvin Beecham got hurt and, you know, Mike Pouncey's out, then, you know, a, a great team, they handled their business. Even if it's a close game, they handled their business. But maybe they're just really good. Or maybe they're just good. And they're beating or, or they're winning games, you know, that go their way. And when things, you know, when they do get punched in the mouth, they don't know how to respond yet. So maybe maybe they still have, or I shouldn't say maybe, they still have 10 games to really figure out how to respond. But they also only have, you know, maybe three games before they get into that meat of the schedule where they're going to play a lot of really good teams. And, and maybe in part that their the games that they won were simply too easy. And so they're kind of they got in the habit 2013-2014 they they were used to starting slow and having to come back and make plays late in the game. I see this being twofold. One, they're not used to it this year, so it it's it's tougher. Two, their defense isn't quite as good, I want to say than than the first half of last year or how it was in 2013. Maybe it's not quite the same shutdown because the the offense, I I have to say, the offense has been more of the story this year. They've been the stronger unit. And if let's face it, Carson Palmer, as great as he's looked this year, you have to look at his career. He's not, he is not on the same level as your Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, guys who you know down the stretch are going to make throws. They're going to get the team down there. They're going to do... Carson Palmer isn't that guy. And what have we seen in those in the two games where we've? it's been absolutely critical to make plays down the stretch? Now, we saw some of that. Some, he, he was very clutch in many of those games. But we've seen down the stretch in these games when the throws were there to be had or when the moment was biggest, he doesn't quite do it against against the Rams. He just badly throws some very easy throws to make very very winnable throws and and then just the inexcusable miss down the for the interception just forgetting to see the safety not making the pre-snap read or just thinking that this that they bit on the play action uh and i think that's where it is is the defense isn't quite what it was and so you can't expect it to shut down everybody every time they're good about getting turnovers but when they're not getting turnovers uh late in the game they they aren't able to exactly shut everyone down the same way they could do that a season or two ago and and maybe that's james betcher and and his play calling maybe well and part of it is this there's two um there's two i guess consistencies in the two games they've lost both of those games they, they've lost, there has been very conservative play calling um, on the other side from them. And I think 
in both those games, we've seen that, and and what happens is when, as you said, the secondary, which is the best part of the Cardinals' defense, isn't able to make plays, then all of a sudden it's on the defensive line to, to get a sack, and, and you know not just the defensive line, but the front. You know, whatever it is, in, they're in five or six, you know, depending on, on the defensive or the, the backfield. But, uh, you know, you look at it and they can't get they can't get sacks. Guess what? What did we talk about before the game? How stupid the idea of pressures are. Because <laughs> Landry Jones was pressured on both of those touchdown passes. And he threw touchdowns. Like, like I said before, pressures are a useless stat unless they are pressures a productive that pressure. create a, yeah, a negative play. So an interception, um, force the quarterback out of the pocket and ha- make can you know make him throw incomplete, something of that nature. But just a pressure, that's what those, you know, 40 quote-unquote pressures that made, um, you know, Who's the guy now? Dwight Freeney, you know the the third best edge rusher in, in terms of pressures in the NFL. And guess what? He he had the same two pressures, and it was just it just wasn't good enough. And and you know if he finishes either of those plays, guess who probably wins that that game. But you know you go back to it, and, and I think when you have conservative play calling. And you don't have a team that can create um, actual sacks and, and you know in drives in in the way that we saw even the Steelers do against the Cardinals. Then all of a sudden, um, you know, it, it's it's easier for them to complete passes. It's easier for them to then run the ball. And and I think I, I am in agreement with you that yes, there is some definite um, drop-off in terms of defensive ability, maybe. Maybe not ability is the right word, but defensive, um, you know, what's actually happening. But I think when you look at it overall, I think a lot of it has to do with if the Cardinals' offense isn't forcing the other team to throw the football a ton and attack downfield, then it just it doesn't it doesn't play into the Cardinals' hands, so to speak. And all of a sudden, their really dynamic defensive backfield becomes very um, stagnant. Maybe I don't know what the word is that I want to use, but it, you know, they it becomes very uh, easy to pick apart. And, and we've seen that now in two games against you know, in, in my opinion, inferior competition, and, and that. And I think that's what's most disappointing is you look at the overall, you know, the the big view of the season, and when you look at it, the Arizona Cardinals are four and two and lead the division by two games, and the Arizona Cardinals should be six and zero and have they should be running they should be running with. away with this division. Yep, and and people say, oh, it's two two games, you know, that's a lot. Well, they play the the Seahawks twice, so that means they have to win both those games. Yes, I know there could be a lot of games in between there, but that just basically means right now 
they have to beat the Seahawks twice to maintain their, their division lead. And that's not something that you want to count on. Right, especially um, since we saw them control the division for the first three quarters of the year. We saw them control the season, you know, we saw them control the the division for forever, for, you know, the first 12, 13 games, and then it just petered out is what happened. Oh, connection is you there, Seth? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I apparently had a little blip in the in the connection, so... I was talking about the Cardinals. I think last year they 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 had the division in control for 12, 13 games. All they had to do was win one game against the Seahawks, and they put that division away. They were unable to. Now, granted, they were with Drew Stanton and then you know Ryan Lindley. That's not you know. Let's not forget that. But the same situation could be could happen here. Any key injury could put them in a situation where they, and especially with the tough schedule down the stretch. Not without, not without, not without the possibility of having them, you know, fade like they did last year. Right, and you look at it, and to me, you, you always just want to build as big of a cushion as as you need. And so, you know, the Vikings aren't looking terrible. Um, you know, the Bengals are are a very good team. Um, you know, the Browns for whatever reason, can put up points on teams. You, you just look at all of it and, and you say, okay, this isn't just going to be an easy, you know, th- these aren't just easy games. And, th- you know, that doesn't even mention the the four divisional games they still have. Oh, and, and, and the Packers and, and Eagles who are, you know, while the Eagles have looked um, garbage at times, they uh, they lead to the NFC East and that's a that's a December game in Philadelphia. So, you know, all, all those things are why 6-0 and is a much more important aspect than what's being played right now. Well, they have a two-game lead on the division. So, if you were to put, if you were to put a 1-10 through 10 value on your concern, where would you put? I would put it at 4. I... I it's it's there's there's concern, but I'm still going to only put it at a four because they're still in control of the division, and I still haven't seen another team just really do anything to the Cardinals other than the Cardinals frustrate themselves with stupidity. So I, I'm putting the, the level of concern at a four, but that could ratchet up to a six or seven and not too long. Yeah, and I think, you know, you and I talked about it on the air, and I tweeted it out during the game. Um, I really, like, I never, until the end when Martavis Bryant took the ball, you know, apparently 90-whatever or 80-whatever yards and um, ran by the entire Cardinals organization, um, I I really felt the entire time the Cardinals were going to win that game. Like, I just, the entire time I was like, okay, this is just, you know, they're not playing well, but they're so much better. They are so much better. The Steelers can't cover them. Um, you know, they have 
Floyd was playing his best game of the year. John Brown was out of his mind. You know, he had to but whatever. And, and Fitz was consistently Fitz again. So I just, I was just waiting, like just waiting. So to say like where I'm at, I think, you know, like I'm with you, four or five. Like I'm mildly concerned because it's disappointing that the, the two best teams that they've played, they've struggled with and lost to. Yes. And so, and I think that's what you're concerned about more than anything is you're just, you, you're wondering why that is happening against, you know, teams that are actually of quality. Um, not, but, but again, I don't think either of those teams are of the Cardinals quality, especially that Steelers team, um, you know, with Vic and then Landry Jones at quarterback. You know, like I told you last week, if Ben Roethlisberger played, that's a that's a loss I can stomach. But with with Roethlisberger out, that's a that's, that's, a, that's one of those things. That's a that's a gotta win game. It's not a must win, but it's a gotta win reputation wise. Yeah, if you want to be considered, you know what Cardinals fans and you and I thought, and, and one of the elites, you know, one of the top five teams in the NFL. You have to be the team on their third string quarterback, and and I think that's where it's at now. It's like okay, you know, they're still a top ten team, but I don't know how much, you know, I don't know how much more they have to go to get to their top. Because I thought, you know, like you said earlier, I thought they had got there because they were just beating down bad teams, but now all of a sudden it's kind of back to the all right. Let's well, let's watch this again. So let's talk some of the, about some of the parts of the game. Let's talk about Carson Palmer first. You know, Pro Football Focus gave him an incredibly high gave him incredibly high marks. Bruce Arians called his play average to poor. Uh, I I wrote about it myself. I have I have an article about that on on RevengeOfTheBirds.com, uh, written Tuesday after, Tuesday morning, and it is about that how actually both are correct. But you look at Grade what grade grading it like pro football focus? They look at every single play. It was it a plus play? Is it no? Did did he impact the game play positively? Did he not impact it? Was there a negative impact on the game? So I can see how that would be. You know, from a coach's perspective, when you've got a quarterback like that, you've got to produce when it counts. And if you if you're just moving twenty to twenty, ah, that's pretty average. And when you throw a couple interceptions in there, that's pretty poor. Overall, I thought. Carson Palmer was good until it mattered. And I saw more – the throws between the numbers were great. The throws down the field were good. Um, he had – his accuracy on ball placement has been very good, except for, you know, there are a couple of throws out, outside the numbers that you – that you you think that he probably wishes he had back. The first interception I don't blame him for. Jermaine Gresham should have caught that ball. It, it was a tough catch to make, but it got into the window and it hit him in the chest. He's got to make that catch. Second interception, that's all in Palmer. That was a stupid throw. And that was a very Bengals Palmer who put up mad numbers and then threw a critical ter- interception. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the... That's, I think, the biggest question that you and I have had the entire Palmer uh, tenure in Arizona. 
it isn't if he's good enough to put up 4,000 yards, he, he did it with the Raiders. I mean, come on. Um, it isn't is he good enough to throw 25 touchdowns. He, he's done that basically, what, every year of his career. The question has always been, um, is he is he good enough to make the big throws in the big situations? And Sometimes he is, and we've seen it. We've seen that he can be. Yeah, and, and I, you know, something that you said to me um, at the beginning of the season and then, of course, last year, um, that, that always sticks with me, and, you know, we'll find out more. But you always, you always ask the question, um, was last year the year? Like, like was, oh, was no. that the magic? Don't, don't do that again. <laughs> and, and so, and, and, and that always sticks with me on, on throws like that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like, because you look at it, and like you said, he missed the two throws against against St. Louis, and then he missed, uh, you know, multiple throws in this game in the clutch situation, and then had the, the you know, very, yeah, Bengal-esque Carson pick. And and so that's, that's what always sticks with me when that happens. I go, what? I was just right. Man, I hate Jeff right now. <laughs> and, and then that's when I say football is dumb. Because, you know, it's stuff like that. Like, how can you look so in command all you know, for for three quarters, and then just you know, crap the bed in the fourth quarter. It, it just you know, and like and like we said, that's the Palmer we are afraid of and and worried about. And, and I'm not you know, I, I don't want anybody to take this as oh, I'm saying that's who he is this year. No, no, no. I'm just saying that's that's what we're always concerned about, and and rightfully so because. That's been his career, and it was the last two years, you know, really just last year, and, and you know, the, what, eight games, seven games the year before that he hasn't been. So we haven't even seen a full season of of good Palmer, and maybe, maybe we didn't see that because he got injured last year, and so he didn't have a chance to, you know, show his other side, so to speak. So, so who knows? But, um, yeah. Well, and the, the concern always is, is remember, this is the guy that franchise is hitching its wagon to for this run. You know, not to say that there was any better option out there. There wasn't. Oh, no, there wasn't. There wasn't. No, no. But they're loaded up. This is a team that looks like it could be a Super Bowl contender, and they're hitching the wagon to a guy who has yet to win a playoff game. I mean, until he wins in the playoffs, there's going to be that concern. Um, now, we look back to 2013, we talk about the conversations we had back then, and what do we see? Carson Palmer had great game, great game, stinker. He hasn't had stinker yet, but he's had... Eh, so he's had good, really good games, and he's had a couple of eh, games. 
So that's progress. But, you know, everything is heightened at this point because there's always, there's this fear in the back of my mind, Seattle's going to figure it out, Seattle's going to figure it out, Seattle's going to figure it out, and they're going to get on a roll. Well, and they're just one game back from where they were last year. So let's not act like this is, um, you know, this is this is unfamiliar territory. Remember, last year at Game Six, they were three and three. So that's the only difference between now and then. Now, if you want to tell me that this is a different, you know, team and and the Seahawks, you know, with Jimmy Graham and then the defense is struggling, and I'll, you know, I'll definitely buy that, but. I always go by the motto, they're the team to beat until you actually beat them. So they could, honestly, whenever their first game is, I, I think it's 11-15, so that's like week 9 or 10. They could, they could honestly be, you know, 3-7 and seven or 3-6 and six at that point, and I'm still going to think they're the most dangerous team that the Cardinals face going forward. Oh, yeah, I know the Packers are the best team, but I still am going to think that they have to beat Seattle because it's that mental thing. It's that mental thing of we have to be better than them. You know, it, talking in terms of the Arizona Cardinals, they, they have to believe we are better than them. And, you know, and and not just, hey, we got by because everybody else beat the Seahawks and thank goodness we didn't actually have to beat them this year. <laughs> let's, let's move forward a little bit talking more about the offensive line and running. Let's hitch those two together because I think the two are connected the offensive line, I mean, if you look at Pro Football Focus, they graded, I think it was Mike Upati was the only one with a positive score. But uh, Jonathan Cooper had the dumb play, you know, that where he engaged, and, and it was Chris Johnson that got penalized for the chop block. Jared Valdir, I mean, hmm. I mean, Cameron Hayward is a big man, a big, strong, very good player. I saw him flat-out beat Mike Upati a couple of times. Uh, I saw Jer- well, we had the, there was the hold on Gerald Vadir. I saw him whiff on a, on a cut block on Cameron Hayward that when he blew up a play. And, well, I, aside from, aside from the really bad penalty by Massey, I don't recall anything that stuck out that said that he was just playing poorly, but he, he definitely didn't dominate. And it, and it seemed like the, the offensive line just wasn't in sync for whatever reason. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about last week with how much Palmer got hit, and, you know, Ezekiel Anso is a very good um, defensive end, and then I think the week before that was the, the Rams game, right? Yes. Okay, so, you know, Robert Quinn is great. I mean, and so, yeah, they've played some really good teams the last three weeks, but and I know they ran for a lot of yards for two weeks prior, but man, the pass protection is not good. And then all of a sudden this week they couldn't run block. And and I've you know voiced my opinion before that, I, and I, I looked it up because I want to be sure of this: nine carries in the first eighteen minutes of the game, and then nine carries the rest of the game. Um, that's a bit disproportionate, right? Like. Or not 18, sorry, first 24 minutes. Yeah, it was 9 and 24 and then 9 in the final 36, I recall seeing in the tweet. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a bit disproportionate, right? Like, I, I, and I got at the end, the fourth quarter, like, I, I understand that part. Like, I, I get it. Although they did take a really weird time to run in the fourth quarter, right? Like, the second and seven, and they ran the ball or something like that and lost two yards. Well, but, that's um, that's the thing that was odd about this is, and, and Aaron's pointed out, and so there, there are some validity to do this. They put themselves in some stupid situations with second and twenties and first and fifteens and third and where they weren't able to to run the ball. They they were off. They were they were behind schedule, as you like to talk about. They were behind schedule yep. on their offense, and so they were just weren't able to run the ball. They had more negative plays than they were than they were accustomed to. Chris Johnson was getting blown up. He didn't really. He wasn't elusive at all. And Andre Ellington got one carry. In the first series, one. Yeah, and, and I just feel like the entire game was... Well, that's what I talked about. The Cardinals, in their two losses, they were the ones that panicked. Like, they blinked first. Um, you know, if this was, you know, chicken or whatever the kids are calling it these days, <laughs> where, you know, who, you know, who, who swerved the car first, so to speak. Um, Bruce Arians and his play calling has definitely scored first in both of their losses, where they're like, "Oh crap! Like we better uh, we better throw the ball." And oh, and, and, and that's and that, that's Arians' mo. He will bail on the running game early. He he just has been able to. The Cardinals have run the ball well, so he was able to keep calling the run. But he's got all these. You know, all these weapons, he's got a John Brown who's dominant, he's got a Fitz, he's got a Michael Floyd this point. Well, so it's super easy to get into that and then forget to get go back. Add into the penalties. Oh, yeah. oh geez. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that happened this game and I, I think you saw a lot of that in this game and so but to get back to the offensive line, they were uh, um bad, I think is a is a very good like nice way to put it because you know and I'm, I'm trying to avoid this I really am but Jonathan Cooper has not been good this year and, and let's just be honest I, you know I, I complimented his game last week it was you know his best game of the season but you look at this week and you know he he got he, he gets blown off the ball more than a lot of athletic, strong, you know, good players that I can remember. And and it's always interesting to me that he is, you know, he's, he's having that struggle. So, we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. But I, I, I think Valdir and, and Cooper struggling con- concurrently is causing some, some issues. In the, in the offensive line play overall, I I, I have no explanation for what's going on for Valdir. Maybe there's there's something. All, offensive linemen almost all you know you see an offensive lineman struggle during the season, and then you know six months after the season's over, and then you say, "Oh, you were playing with a broken leg." I wonder if there's yeah, some, exactly. something. I wonder if there's something lingering that that hasn't been reported that Valdir has been dealing with because he's not the same player he was last year. No, and, and, but, you know, you go back to Oakland, right? And so his first, what, four years in Oakland or five? I, I don't remember how long he was there, but he was 
kind of the player he is right now. I think last year was more of an aberration than before, and, and I think that's why they let him walk, right? Because they were like, well, he's good, and he is good. Like, I don't, I don't want anybody thinking that. Like, we're saying Jared Velby is playing bad. Because <laughs> heaven <laughs> knows we've seen Bradley Sal play. <laughs> yeah. But, but he's not playing up to the capabilities that he did in 2000 and in 14. And I think that's where you come in and go, okay, what's, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? And so that, to me, is what, what the issue is, um, you know, he's struggling with he's struggling in both the running game and in pass protection. Obviously, pass protection is much more um, much more easy to, to to discern because he's giving up sacks. I think he's at what three now on the season he's given up, and he only gave up one of all of last year, and we all blame that on Logan Thomas because he's Logan Thomas. And, and yeah, well, and what is it? Him. I think he's got now three holding penalties as well on top of that, which is, hey, yeah. that's that's not good. The holding penalties are no. killer. And so I think just overall, I think having, you know, kind of a an issue on the left side and then an issue on the right side, I think it's kind of just messed up the whole offensive line. And, and so I think, you know, I'm not worried about any of it honestly, because I think that it can get figured out, and um, in this coming week, it should get figured out in a big way, but um, I, I, it's something to monitor, definitely. And, and then just, I think Chris Johnson had a bad game. Like I said, like the whole beat themselves thing, I get where people come from with that, but, uh, you know, Cam Hayward and Stefan too were also kind of whooping them, that butt. You know, they, I mean, they were they were punishing guys, and and so I think that takes away from how well they played, and, and the fact that they, you know, out physical the team, and I I think I in the two two losses, it really seemed like to me that the Cardinals came out with an air of we're the better team, you guys need to lay down and just let us do our, our our work, and and you know it didn't work in either of those games. They, they, they've stopped playing with that chip on their shoulder that they've had. The, they have to prove it because they've been winning big. And who knows? Uh, maybe that's all they need. Uh, defensively, I, this is a point I, I meant I neglected to say just a little bit before. You know, the defense played... I mean, if you look at... There are some players who... I mean, Patrick Peterson had a whale of a game against Antonio Brown. Now, in part, again, we're going to have to temper this with the fact that Antonio Brown has not nearly been as productive as he was with Ben Roethlisberger, but Peterson continues to play at an extremely high level. Rodney Gunter, you know, after some struggles, he kind of struggled a little bit first couple of games. He's been really stout. Dalen Buchanan is, is making plays, but beyond that, there was... Absolutely, I mean, this is the most Marcus Golden description you will ever hear from Bruce Arians, and it's kind of like he—he he definitely played hard. He could have played smarter, <laughs> and isn't that Marcus Golden in a nutshell? <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what we talked about all along. Like he's gonna—he's gonna be the king at least this year. He's gonna be the king of almost plays. Like, oh, he almost got there. Like that's kind of where yes. I see him going, and um, you know. But 
Defensively, like I said, I, they're not – I'm probably Calais Campbell. I don't know if anybody on that front seven, if you just line up the front seven in a base package, I don't know if any of those front seven guys are guys you know, they're not replaceable. I think all the other six are, you know, you go, okay, like we can probably upgrade there. But it's not oppressing me by any means. But I think you could look at it and go, yeah, we could definitely find, you know, probably a little upgrade right there. Yeah. And, and, I, think, and I think that's kind of where the problem lies. Because if you're asking them to make plays and not your star-studded um, secondary, that's where you're going to get in trouble. And let's be honest, you know, one of both of our, you know, one of our favorite players on this team, Tyler Matthew, I, I thought he, you know, probably had his worst game of the season, and it wasn't even that bad. But no, that's just how good he, he, he missed a, an easy, I mean, relatively easy interception. He he was out of position a couple of times, but it, it, well, defensively, the one thing I I, I, I was going to say, and then I didn't say it again for a second time, this is where we saw James Betcher get out-schemed by Todd Haley because you could tell at some point late in the first half, there was late in the first half, suddenly uh, this Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers suddenly were trying to get Martavis Bryant involved, and guess what? It was getting him involved that eventually put them away. Uh, and they didn't, and the Cardinals didn't have an answer for it. Uh, I think that's where we have a clear, clear example where someone got out coached. Uh, he got out schemed. Betcher was out schemed by Todd Haley. Not that that's not that Todd Haley hasn't done that consistently over the past couple of years with the Steelers' offense, which has been quite productive when they're healthy. But goodness, uh, Haley Haley really did a number on Betcher there by with well. They just didn't have any answers for Landry Jones or Martavis Bryant, and that sounds kind of absurd. Yeah, and I think something you and I have hit on before and what our you know biggest concern was um, coming into the season on the defensive side of the ball wasn't the scheme, wasn't you know, the personnel, wasn't anything like that. It wasn't even Betcher the coach. It was Betcher the play caller as the game went on and one of the things that we always talked about with, with Todd Bowles is in the second half it was very very rare that you saw Todd Bowles get out coached and it, it basically became a, a game in, in the game itself to how good Todd Bowles would look in the second half of the game and, and how good the Cardinals' defense would look. And now um, it's kind of the opposite. They come out, they look extremely strong. They have their definitive um, work that they're doing where they're you know using exotic looks and confusing teams with those six or seven defensive backs. And then in the second half, the other team adjusts, maybe starts running the ball a little more, leaning on the guys, and then when they get that extra guy in the box, all of a sudden they start to throw the ball a little bit, and they find the, the holes in the in the zone. And that's, I think, what the difference has been thus far, was just the in-game adjustments as opposed to the actual uh, 
coaching of the game. Moving forward, the Cardinals now sit at four and two, in second place for the St. Louis Rams at two and three as they had the bye. Um, the Seahawks and the Niners are both two and four, but let's look, kind of look into the way everyone's and I'll, my most self included. I just keep thinking the Seattle Seahawks are going to figure things out. They're going to get on a roll. They're still the team that you are afraid of. But looking the way things stand. Should the Rams perhaps be that team sitting at two and three with their next four games being very easy, very easy? Uh, I mean, but they, they, they I could mean, easily they, win all four of those games and be sitting at six and three four weeks from now. Yeah, but the other thing is you got to remember with the Rams, they lost to the Redskins. So you never know what, what Rams teams are going to show up. Um, I, I still think it's the Seahawks. Like, if I put them in order, I'd say... And, and I think I texted this to you. It might have been another group text. I mean, far too many group texts. Um, <laughs> it, it might have been another one. But I said earlier, I think that the, the Cardinals and the, the Rams are the two wildcard teams. That's how much I thought of the Rams this year. I thought they were going to go 9-7 and steal that second wild card. Now, obviously, with the NFC South actually being good at football again, um, I don't think that's going to happen. But I still think one wild card team comes from the West. And so maybe, hopefully not, but maybe it ends up becoming a three-team you know, race to the end. I don't know. I, I, I hope not. I, I'd rather... Be six to zero and have a four game division lead and not have to worry about things, petty yeah. things like that. But you know, tends the breaks. So I think I, I, you know, if I put them in order, it's still Seattle, St. Louis, San Francisco. But you know, that can change any time. And, and well, you look at the because the the Rams, their next five weeks, they're playing the Browns at home. They're playing the 49ers at home. Then they're in Minnesota. They're in at home against the Bears, and then they're in Baltimore. Um, with Todd Gurley, the, the part that kind of scares me, and and there is a, a breakdown. I'm actually, I think I'm going to have it up for tomorrow. Uh, with Todd Gurley in that offense, that offense suddenly is very deadly because he matches exactly what they want to do. There's a lot of deception. It makes them very, very difficult to defend. Uh, unless you are very, very disciplined. Yeah, and but the thing is it's uh Nick Foles is a quarterback. That's and true. Unless he's playing unless he's playing the Cardinals, he's only okay. <laughs> oh, forget that detail. So let's kinda of look ahead to the to the Ravens game. I I do have on tap, I haven't nailed it down, but I do have um intend to have a, a preview show this week with Matthew Stevens of BaltimoreBeatNow.com, our RSB Nation site for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but let's look ahead to the Ravens. This is a question you posed on Twitter, and this is kind of what we say. So if the Cardinals, and we believe the Cardinals are still a very good team, what should we see this Monday? We should see them bounce back and play very well, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think you can expect anything less than a dominating performance. Like, I know that's a lot to ask, and, you know, you should never expect domination, but 
because you know the Ravens are professionals and they're one in five and they're playing for kind of their season. But this is a home game on national TV. You're the only game. It's Monday Night Football. Against a team who defensively, and defensively the Ravens are a mess, and the Cardinals like to chuck the ball down the field, and that Baltimore defense gives up chunk plays like nobody else. Yep, and so I think, you know, I think you'd be, I mean, obviously, if you win, you're you're not going to be upset with the Cardinals, but I think you're going to be disappointed if it's not a, a very strong outing by this Arizona Cardinals team, because... As we said before, talent-wise, they are, you know, they're really good. So I, I just don't see, you know, how they they lose this game. And so maybe domination isn't a fair, you know, request of them to, to, to see. But I, I feel like as good as this team is, that's not asking too much. No, and... Well, hopefully that's what we see. Uh, the Cardinals do lose Darren Fell, so we get to see more Jermaine Gresham and more Troy Nicholas. We don't have any other roster moves that are set in stone yet. Uh, we might be seeing some in, in the next few days. Uh, but you face Joe Flacco, the elite Joe Flacco. Uh, <laughs> the elite Joe Flacco. And and this is this is the perfect game to get better, to come out angry. And really, after these two type of losses, I'd love to see the Cardinals put that chip back on their shoulders and say, hey, we still got something to prove. I want to see that because this is a team that's so talented. I have confidence in the team, but, but we just need to get, if those are the two hiccups, if those are the two beat themselves games that we don't know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the, the Packers do blow them out of the water late in the season. I don't know, but... It's no more just playing badly. You, you, I'm. If another play, team plays really well and the Cardinals are playing well and the other team wins, that's an acceptable loss if there are acceptable losses. But when you're just making stupid stuff, where you, you know, you're getting penalized, you're turning the ball over, just inexplicable stuff, or, or even the, there are turnovers on passes that should be caught. That's can't have that. No, and, and you have to see a, a strong performance from the, the Arizona Cardinals, I think, this week. Cause you want to make that statement that you are still um, one of the best teams in the NFL, and, and you know not just the NFC, but um, in the NFL, and you're, you're still a force to be reckoned with. And, um, and maybe the Ravens are 1-5, and, and, uh, and, you know, a play from being 0-6, but... Uh, you know, this this is still a, a you know a Super Bowl champion team. What two years ago, three years ago? So it's uh, definitely not an easy win, but it, it's one where you feel like you can you can make another statement. And, and that should bring us a close to to the All Cardinals show for Revenge of the Birds Radio. We've talked Cardinals and their loss to the Steelers. We've looked a little bit ahead to this Ravens game coming up, and the plan is that I will have a review, a preview show with Baltimore beat deep beat down later in the week. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, again, thank you for listening. Again, this is show you're this recorded. If you, of course, you can re- subscribe to the show 
Follow us on Blog Talk Radio, which is where the show is hosted. iTunes, you can find it there. Get it on your devices. And Well, of course, head to revengebird, revengebirds.com to continue talking Cardinals with the best Cardinals fan base that I know of. I'm your host, Jess Root. That's Seth Cox. Thank you for listening to the All Cardinals Show for Revenge of the Birds Radio. Have a good night. Have a good night, everybody. You've been listening to Revenge of the Birds. Keep the conversation going by visiting revengeofthebirds.com. Follow us on Twitter at Revenge of Birds. You can also find us on iTunes at facebook.com slash revengeofthebirds.